lost my passport. In Portugal, I lost my passport, so I had to go to a local uh, photographer who took that stunning picture that you see there. Isn't that amazing? How long ago was that taken? That could have been yesterday, Steve. Come on. You look like you've committed a crime. I have been too damn sexy. <laughs> it locked me up. If that was your passport photo, it would get one or two raised it, eyebrows it is my at immigration. Pass- not what are you trying to say? You don't need a, you don't need a dodgy passport photo to get raised eyebrows at immigration now. <laughs> Should it be a human trying to enter the country? Hugh, any thoughts on uh, Andy's somewhat bizarre-looking photo? Okay, okay all right, all right. Don't mock me. What don't mock me. is, go- what is oh. that? What is going on? Hey, I'm, I'm overworked. What's up, Phyllis Pierce? <laughs> Somebody said I sounded like Bernard Manning yesterday, but no, no, it's got a lot higher since then. You sounded, yeah, there's an element of Joe Pasquale about this. <laughs> Bernard Manning and Joe Pasquale, the two that should have spent more time together. Hang on, is Bernard Let's Manning... the quality of the gags aren't that bad for the next Bernard half an hour. Manning, the racist comedian or the turkey guy? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you make your choice, whichever you think I sound more like. I'm, I'm um, somewhat troubled by how, uh, how we're going to do this today, seeing as you well, are supposed to be the host of the set-piece menu footballing podcast. I, I will relinquish my position of authority and power over to somebody else if, mm. they're, well, if we, they're happy to do so. Are we drawing straws on this? Well, I think you're the best qualified, to be honest, Steve. <laughs> Is it like Donald I'm Trump sure, passing the sure. to Joe <laughs> Pence? <laughs> you're you're, you're very much the Mike Pence Mike in this Pence. scenario. Mike? Is yeah. it Mike Pence? Yes. Yeah. Joe Pence would have been better. You're thinking Joe Pasquale again. <laughs> I am, yes. So, well, I, I don't think that I can necessarily contribute anything that will be entertaining for people to listen to. <laughs> I, I say entertaining. That's the excuse advisedly. for this week, anyway. Um, so, uh, I'll just carry on with some of Nikki's wonderful hot pot and... And I'll tell you what, if I've got anything to say, I'll, you'll, you'll I'll, give a speech. I'll ding. So, that um, is the, that's the noise to listen out for. So am, am I doing this? Yes, you, you are. You are on. This is your time to shine, yeah. Steve. <laughs> okay, mount the coup. Mount the coup. Here we go. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome along. This is the latest edition of the Set Piece Menu. Happy New Year, one and all. And uh, welcome to the podcast where three friends talk about <laughs> okay. football over okay. food and uh, four, for a four. bit of fun, we bring along a glorified sound engineer to contribute and uh, provide sound Drinking effects. Water. Uh, the hospitality today, the excellent hospitality, has been provided by, well, I'd like to be able to say Mr. Andy Hinchcliffe. We no. are within his four walls, but really, Wait a minute. The, the hospitality has been provided by you Mr. You are Hinch. at my table. We are at your the table. Food, who made the food? Well, is it, not is it important who makes the food? Who bought the table? Uh, Nicky bought the table. Yeah, you know, we're at Nicky's <laughs> table. And Nicky made the f- yeah. yeah. This, yeah. this mm. cutlery, whose is this? Uh, that's yeah. Nicky's, that right. is, I think. Yeah, Nicky's taking a yeah, that as well. Yeah, yeah. The hospitality today is provided by mm. Nicky Hinchcliffe. Nicky, thank you ever so much. Uh, over the next half an hour or so, we will be talking about one footballing issue discussed as intelligently and informatively as possible without, as always, reaching any sort of conclusion. In this, the fifth episode of the Set Piece Menu. The previous four, incidentally, uh, included, but were not limited to conversations about winter breaks, players being far too easily offended, and whether the Premier League really is the best in the world. You can still check those out via iTunes or Stitcher. Uh, Please do subscribe and please do leave a review. You can even add some stars. I think you'll find uh, four, maybe five is, is a fair reflection on the effort so five five we will settle on five if you are new to the set piece menu uh, then let me Steve Wyeth introduce the team which is usually fronted by uh, Hugh Ferris who is uh, struggling a little today our regular <laughs> presenter uh, I am a commentator for BT Sport uh, Rory Smith is our writer uh, he is uh, with the New York Times and Andy Hinchcliffe was 
inexplicably once again left off the New Year's Honours list because apparently services to corners what? is not a thing. Again, how many years is this going to go on for? <laughs> it's ridiculous. Sir Andy Murray... What's all that about? What's he done that well, I haven't? We've established really? Sir Andy works. Yeah, it Sir does. Andy, yeah, it yeah. does, yeah. yeah. It's got which, a ring to it. Which one do you think you'd fancy? MBE, OBE, <coughs> CBE? All of them. All of I them. Because I think yeah. uh, what I've contributed, not just to football, Rory. Yeah, possibly, yeah. for my bravery in the tackle. <laughs> um, I should have them all, really, emblazoned across my chest, my, you, my muscular chest. The one thing we should point out, apart from quite how astonishingly nice Nitty's Hot Pot and cauliflower cheese was, yes. is the fact that in Andy's house... Nitty's house. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he does have two of his seven England caps on display at all times. Yeah, they're impressive, aren't the they? The games against... Mo- uh, who was it? Bulgaria? Uh, Moldova, Poland and Georgia. That was in the World Cup qualifying yeah. campaign, which uh, England qualified for with my help. <laughs> um, the other one's, I think, Bulgaria. All right, so there's two... In- so you, yeah. do, you, do you only get one cap for the ca- each well, campaign used, that you Apparently, that you yes. Of. I think they're trying to save on velvet. But um, <laughs> it you used to get one per game. Does it depend game? on how big your head is when it comes to saving on velvet? What are you trying to say, Steve? I just thought, just, just they're they're quite small, those caps, aren't they? They are quite small. Yeah, but I think that's what they do. It's a campaign now, so they stick them all on one cap rather than giving you individual right. caps. Yeah. Whether that's changed over the years or just when I started playing for England, they thought, there's no way we're giving him seven individual caps. <laughs> the man's an idiot. And the other thing <laughs> I didn't realise about caps, not having worn any for anyone for anything, mm. was that they sort of write on the, na- on the brim of the cap, I suppose, the peak of the cap, yeah. they write the, the, tr- the tournament that, that it was in. So Andy has... Uh, a cap from the FIFA World Cup 1996. That says Steve Guppy. <laughs> <laughs> I've got the wrong cap what, here. What a quality! What? Fo- what a quality footballer he was. Oh, oh, that, that one's that one. mine. That one's mine. But yeah, oh dear, Steve right. Guppy. Shh. If you're listening, you Andy Hinsliff has stolen your England <laughs> cap. <laughs> I'll tell you what, we'll, we'll get a photo of this, this display, and yeah. we will put it on uh, the Set Piece Menu uh, Twitter page, That's just so everyone idea. else can yeah, but my, enjoy these. We also these, get a photo of Steve Guppy. <laughs> we, we need to get in touch with him, don't we? He was a. Do you think Steve Duffy was a better player than you, Jim? Yes. Yeah. Most could most play, people were a better player than me. <laughs> Pretty much down the left-hand side, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Left-hand towards side, the middle yeah. of the pitch. Whoa, it's like getting a nosebleed, a bit like me. Of course he was better than me. No, yeah. I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true. I, I think it's true. Hmm. Right, we should get on with it, shouldn't yeah, we? Yeah, subject, uh, our subject today. Is an FA Cup run really magic, or is it a poisoned chalice? Shall I... Yeah, Tell us uh, why, why we are talking about this. Explain why we're talking about this. Well, as you know, I'm a very outgoing sort of character, and uh, I absolutely love chatting to perfect strangers <laughs> on public transport. We've warned you about that, though, haven't yeah. we? This was uh, the, the rather unusual situation I found, himself, uh, I found myself on uh, on a train recently, when um, at 8.30 in the morning I found myself sat across uh, in the carriage from two Aston Villa fans who were drinking Desperados at the early hour of the morning, so I thought, well, why not engage these... Did you have a table seat? Fi- I did have a table seat. <laughs> had I you specifically booked a table seat? Uh, no, I had uh, grabbed an unreserved table Ooh. seat in the unreserved coach. That I've truly got, is paradise. Do you know what? I've got, that, I've got that strategy absolutely off pat now. I, even, I know where the door stops. Do you want from, from Piccadilly or Stockport? No, from Stockport. Yeah. I know where the door stops for Coach U. I am there. I'm this, on straight You're not away. serious. Yeah, yeah you're not, it's, it's really important for those of us who don't travel first for those class. Who, I, for those of us who don't travel first class and have to work me out of this conversation. on the train, <laughs> it is very important to get uh, a vacant, unreserved table seat because I'm certainly not organised to have booked okay. it far enough in advance. So you were speaking to Villa fans, so yes. chatting to a couple of Aston Villa yeah. fans. Uh, they were on their way to, to QPR for a game uh, recently. We got into discussing 
the plight that they find themselves in, mid-table in the Championship, without too much hope of an immediate return to the Premier League. And effectively, these Villa fans put their current... Si- Goodness, what got sat? Oh, the crumble. The crumble's not hit the floor, has it? No, the crumble's okay. The crumble's okay. okay. okay, Nicky's broken her arm, but the crumble is okay. (laughs) (laughs) We'll deal with that later. We've got uh, FA Cup-related matters to conclude Mm -hmm. with us. They felt as though their run to the FA Cup final in 2015 was a major contributing factor to their relegation 12 months later, that effectively the rot set in in terms of they focused their efforts on, on getting to the mm-hmm. cup final, that elusive piece of silverware, hoping to... And they also uh, picked out the examples of Wigan, who, of course, were relegated in the year they won the cup final in 2013, and Portsmouth, who, having won it in 2008, then got to the cup final again in 2010 and was subsequently relegated. Sorry, Hugh, what would you like to contribute? Well, I'd like to add this stat to that conversation because I think it's very interesting. What did you say, Phyllis? <laughs> yeah. Steve, can you, can you add this me? stat, please, Steve? Hugh Ferris's words will be voiced by an actor. <laughs> Uh, between 2010 and 2014, only two teams had a better league record after getting past the fourth round. Both were relegated. Portsmouth in 2000. Do you really have been busy? Yeah. Portsmouth in 2010 and Wigan in 2013. These Villa fans also cited the example of uh, their great rivals, Birmingham, who uh, reached the League Cup final in 2011 and were subsequently relegated. And that's playing the Europa League whilst at a Championship club. They effectively, this, these were their words, a good FA Cup run for a rank-and-file mid-table team was a poisoned chalice. How many Discuss. beers have they had at this point? Were they, were they still relatively sober? They, I can't testify as to how many they'd had before they got on the train, yes. but this was halfway through the fa- first can of Desperados. Where did so, they get on the train? Uh, Stoke. Interesting, okay. It says lots of interesting things about the FA Cup. That statistic, that story, this wonderful... Discussion it says a lot of interesting <laughs> things about the FA Cup. One is that winning it basically means nothing to clubs if you don't then sustain the success, or even getting to the yep. final doesn't mean anything to clubs. It used to be the case in the olden days when Chinch was playing that if you got to the FA Cup, that would be kind of that would be an incredible achievement for the season. It would buy the manager huge amounts of time, yep. a year, maybe two more, because fans would say, "Oh, they got to the FA Cup final in." 1990, mm-hmm. isn't that amazing? Sheffield, were you in the Wednesday team that played in the two-trip finals? Uh, no, no, I was in the Everton team that won the 95. Oh yeah, of course. Final yeah. Paul, if you've conveniently forgotten the that, Paul Rideout final, the, the Andy, yeah, the Paul Rideout <laughs> final. Yeah. The, but you know, it would buy managers huge amounts of time because it would be mm. we've won the cup or we've got to the final. That obviously doesn't exist anymore. Whether in any of those cases, the fact they did well in the FA Cup actually was more important than, for example, the fact they had terrible squads or, in Wigan's case, had no money at all for yeah. about five years and so didn't recruit. I don't know. But maybe, maybe it suggests... It, the fact they did one in the cup meant that kind of the weaknesses were masked a little bit and the clubs themselves didn't address the problems. That might, that might be... That, there might be Because automatically you think, is it just coincidence? But then when there's four or five, six different teams... But there must be a lot of teams who have actually won the cup and this hasn't happened to them. But only big teams, only big the, teams. the, the mm. your top Yeah, there's six. not too many yeah. examples. Having quickly gone through the, those recent cup finals to try and see if there was mm. any evidence, you know, to, to not support the Villa fans' case, it, it, it did seem that really the other cup finals have been contested between what we would now consider to be established top six clubs. Because this basically goes against a couple of commonly held beliefs that, you know, if you are a mid-table rank-and-file team, then a run in one of the cups is the only sort of genuine likelihood of success, yeah, silverware, yeah. that you're going to have. Yeah. And that also, a good run in the cup can influence your league form because, 
we're constantly told players want to play every week. You know, the winning formula, don't change a winning team. You know, if you get on a, a good cut run, then you'll take that into your league form. Yeah. And, and they felt that neither of those two things was true anymore. Well, that having focused their attention on winning or getting to the cup final, they took their eye off the, the ball in the Premier League, the rot set in, and they were unable to turn it around the following season. I can only speak to the experience of 95. Well, it was a different world. 20 years ago when you were playing, it was a very different world. There wasn't the European football. We weren't involved. We were playing in the league and with the Cups were genuinely League Cup, FA Cup, were seen as our chance to win something because we knew genuinely we weren't going to win the league. So that Everton team in 95, it certainly did help our league form as well. But whether that's basically we had two competitions to play in and not say three or four, it might have been different then. Um, but so, but are teams now or fans looking at their clubs and saying, you know what, we'd rather get knocked out in the third round of the FA Cup because our season, our, our happiness with what's happening at our club is purely dependent on what league we play in. I'm not, not saying you, you would take being relegated to win an FA Cup because clearly you don't want that to continue happening, the club to go out of business and have all these problems. But surely trying to win a bit of silverware is has to be the case for the majority of, of clubs outside the top six in the Premier League. Well, so it would, We're all in our 30s. <coughs> Some of us are a bit older. Some than of that. us are late our, 30s. In our long 30s, yeah. Late the, 30s. Um, so I think to us, yeah, you'd, I'd say you'd take winning something over... Yeah. I mean, I'd take winning something over finishing fourth. Winning mm-hmm. something, I'd take winning something over survival in the Premier League. Yeah. But I don't think that's true of the majority of fans, particularly those who are younger than us. And I actually think it increasingly, in the years to come, might apply to the elite teams with the Champions League. That the, the focus, I think, is now for the, for the big English teams is winning the Premier League rather than winning the Champions League. But I, I, there's no question the FA Cup, to the vast majority of football fans, seems to have become an afterthought. And if you go out, then it's kind of well, all right, we don't have that distractingness. I don't understand how that could possibly be true because no. they all have 25 players in their squad. Surely you want to, at the very least, the games to give your reserves and your fringe players a chance to play. I, it just strikes me as odd. Hugh has a statistic. Mm. He's unable to interrupt you in any other way. <sighs> but he would like it to be known that uh, Chelsea won the league in 2015 after losing at home to Bradford in the fourth round of the FA Cup and that Southampton went from 13th place to 6th last season after being knocked out in the third round. Ah, but you see, so I just want to say, I think this is important. I think in all the instances of teams who, rank and file, like that term a lot, teams who've done well in the court. Thank you. The, <laughs> in recent years, <laughs> there are underlying problems. Portsmouth had massive financial difficulties. There was total chaos. They, went into, they were in administration the season they were relegated, yes. of course, yeah. Yeah, so that, that is a far more important sort of factor in, in their relegation. Uh, Birmingham, I guess, is it's the lead cup, but yeah, you can maybe make a take. I don't think there's anything particularly wrong at Birmingham that year. They had a half decent side; it was a bit of a surprise. They were, but then they're a yo-yo team. You know, they, at that stage they were they were going up and down all the time. Uh, you have Wigan, who I think statistically had a zero percent chance of staying in the Premier League for as long as they did, mm-hmm. because of the way the the odds were stacked against them because of money. Villa had been drifting for five years, so it's more. It was amazing they made the cup final, particularly under Tim Sherwood. Who was, who's our other example? I've forgotten. I was uh, building a case in Portsmouth. 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 Oh, no, Portsmouth, Portsmouth, Portsmouth Wigan, and uh, Villa were there. And Villa were there. You've actually already done it. They weren't. You, was, you, were, you were further oh, ahead. Oh, Palace last year. Palace last season. Got to the final. How, how, many, how many games do you play to? Is it six to win Third the competition? Round. Third round, fourth round, fifth round, quarter final, semi final, final. Six. Six games. Yeah, so it we're. Can't, it can't. You put that into people say cup runs and they go off. They're six matches. But in the latter stages of the oh, season. Right. 
I don't, I, I'm, I'm just basing it on my experience as well. Mind you, I grew up watching all these teams. Oh, he's off Joe again. Pasquale has got another point he would like to uh, be made. Uh, 24 games in 20 weeks if you reach the cup final, and that is not including cup replays or any European commitment. But Europe isn't Excellent relevant stat. because Europe isn't relevant because the teams that we're talking about who, who could succumb to this aren't in Europe. So there's no European commitment. Just the yeah, we're, 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 talk, we're talking. Yeah, talking about You're teams, talking teams who aren't in Europe. Yeah, yeah. It, it, who may get sucked. Who, who would consider themselves to be mid mid table cannon fodder that may get sucked towards the relegation places as a consequence of going on an extended cup run. So is that the problem? That basically, if you have an extended cup run, you are suddenly facing the sort of match schedule that the, the top teams have to deal with for being in Europe. Yeah. Over an abbreviated, abbreviated period of time, when you are not used to it, that's the problem. Especially if you chuck in replays, which should clearly be abolished. Well, if you try and put yourself in, in the mind of Tim Sherwood last season, then I don't want to do that. Well, it's a big place. The, just, just be me yeah. shouting, run at people. You'd be like a pee in an oil drum in there, wouldn't you? But he would, he would perhaps have looked at the cup. <laughs> he would have looked at the cup as thinking, well, if if I'm the manager that guides my team yeah, to yeah, the yeah. FA Cup and I, I win a trophy, yeah. then I will be remembered fondly for mm. that. Mm-hmm. Whereas. He's you actually know, remembered for wearing a gilet. And for getting the team relegated. Yeah. And that is how Aston Villa fans are now looking at it. But do you not it. think that that's incredible that, that the Cup, in such a short... Right, see, we had this conversation over Christmas. So, mm. you know drink driving? I don't know it personally, but, but I've heard of it, yeah. The, the drink driving ad campaign is the most powerful recent example of like social conditioning and mm-hmm. attitude change in British society. Because there was, to our parents' generation, drink driving was not a problem. And then they had the, all those advertising campaigns, and now it's genuinely like, like it's a social no-no. Like you, yeah. it's a massive taboo. Yeah. You would never tell people you you would drink driving. Yeah, it's a bit like doing podcasts, isn't it? It's a, just a no-no. It's just a no-no. Mm. But that's really rare for attitudes to change so quickly in the space of even a generation. Yeah, this sounds now sounds like an incredibly kind of trite thing to say, <laughs> but with the FA Cup, the collapse in in prestige for the cup is astonishing because it's happened in I don't know what fifteen years. Yeah, even probably now. even less. Yeah. That it's gone from being... So the Gaza final was 1990. The, oh, the 1990 was United. 91. 91, 91 was Gaza. yeah. That was the, still the biggest game of the season. 93 was Wednesday yep. losing to Arsenal. Mm-hmm. That was still like a huge thing. Uh, 94 was Chelsea, Man United, I think. 95, obviously, the, the, Hinch- the, the, the Hinchcliffe final. The, the, the 96 was Cantona against Liverpool. These are all the massive, yeah, yeah. massive games. Mm. I think it changes in like 98 when teams start doing the double. It's when teams, when that's when the FA Cup becomes the addendum to success. It's they've won the league. That's what matters. Oh, and they've can also they won the cup. can they add the cup? But can, can you can you cup? understand that from a coaching point of view? Can you under, understand fans' mentality seeing it this way now? Is it acceptable to see the FA Cup and the League Cup as kind of well? Well, I think for the big sides, most clearly. fans would get rid of the League Cup, which I think is really probably more understandable, but also a bit of a shame. I can understand why coaches don't particularly like the cups, mm-hmm. but. I find it find it bizarre that fans would be are just so not not happy to be out, but mm. kind of uh, it means so little to fans that yeah, like Steve says, Sherwood can get for all Tim Sherwood's faults, he did get Villa to a cup final. Because you'd think if you have if you're struggling in the league and you're not winning games, to play a cup game and win should be think, should be a great thing, and it was certainly for for Everton as well because you think well we've and it just gives you that lift and that cup to take them into your league. I know you're saying well maybe because it's a short period of time, more games teams aren't used to doing it, but win, there's nothing better than winning games. That time of the year you're not training an awful lot, you literally are playing every three days or four days, whatever it might be. So you just think well why would you pass up a chance of of winning a game 
to give you a boost to, to, to actually maybe keep you up. But is that now? Is that now the mentality has changed? That that would have been the attitude in in 1995 yeah. when you were part of a cup winning side. Yeah. But actually, for for teams outside of the top six who aren't don't have the resources to to challenge for the Premier League in Europe and also to win the FA Cup, that actually has the reverse effect because. Our regular presenter, Mr. Hugh Ferris, whispering <coughs> Hugh Ferris, uh, would also uh, like it to be Hugh, known I might, that I might, I might adopt that the situation what for whispering for every Hugh week? Ferris just calling that forever. It's my darts nickname. <laughs> no, you'd you be the wheel. Definitely do the darts. <laughs> you'd be the wheel. Yeah, Ferris the wheel. Hugh <laughs> the, the wheel Ferris. Yeah, we bid wheel. The we'll wheel deal. Wheel. We'll have a garish shirt with that stitched onto in time for next week. The wheel deal. That's the. You like that? Yeah. yeah. A garish shirt. Just one of his normal shirts to do. <laughs> It is apparently, according mm. to Hugh, different for the teams at the top because both Arsenal and United, winners in the previous two seasons, have seen an improvement in their league form after getting through the fourth round. So, so oh. the old adage is still true for the teams at the top, but perhaps is it just does it stretch resources simply too much for the teams in, in mid-table? So I have two things to suggest that are kind of tangentially related. One is I spoke to Ronald Koeman, um, okay. Oh, I spoke to Ronald Koeman, okay. Name dropper. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, just at a press conference, it was fine. It was open to any number of the accredited. You didn't this, say that. You said it was a one-on-one. It wasn't a one-on-one. Is this going to be a long anecdote? Because no. I'm going to eat a bit more food. You have food. more food. Okay. You do drop time to eat more food. Koeman said that the, the in talking about the schedule of games over win, over Christmas. Basically, didn't quite say it, but he was trying to get into the idea that it, it essentially, uh, what's the word, biases the, fle- the, the, the season in, term, in favour of the big clubs. Mm-hmm. So the only teams who can cope well with, over Christmas are the big clubs, which means if you, theoretically, if, you, if you're a smaller team, you have to make more changes. Because there's so, few, so many games in so few days, it's much harder to, to cope, which means that the big clubs don't have an inbuilt advantage in the season. That probably applies to the cup. So it, if Arsenal and Man United can cope with the changes, it's because they've got the squads. The other thing is I spoke to a, a, a recent Premier League manager, let's put it that way, uh, about uh, one of his, something that another Premier League manager had said to him relatively recently, which was that, apart from the top six, the other 14 teams in the Premier League cannot have ideas about how they play football. You, you are playing football just to survive. That's what the league's become. You don't have philosophies, you don't have concepts, you don't have things you want to see. And I think that's what the cup falls victim to, is the sense that it's not directly contributing to that one overwhelming, overarching aim, and therefore it's irrelevant. So is that is that going to get worse because of the financial gains from staying in the Premier League are so, so yeah. enormous that, than they were even previously? Yeah. That for, for coaches are going to think, well, cup runs are all, all well and good, but actually the owners of the clubs will be saying, we have to stay, whatever it takes, doesn't matter what happens in the Cups, make absolutely sure you stay in the Premier League. So it's probably more true now than, it, than it's ever been before. Well, Ronald Koeman's predecessor as a Southampton manager, Maurizio Pochettino, angered, angered Southampton fans in what I'm pretty sure was his, his last season at Southampton, where for a cup tie at uh, Sunderland, when a lot of the big teams had already gone out of the cup and others went out at that stage, he, he picked a much weakened side for that tie and Sunderland won the game narrowly, 1-0, as I recall. But a lot of people questioned that attitude at the time. Saying, well, actually, the, the cup was opening up for a team like Southampton to have a run to the final. Instead, Pochettino rested a lot of his senior players, gave some fringe players an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Southampton went out of the competition. Everyone's like, well, opportunity lost. But then had a great run into the end of the season and, and, and so he, high up in the so Premier League. So he clearly had a philosophy. Regardless yeah. of what was going on in the competition, this is what he was going to do. 
Sorry, oh, we, sorry to interrupt. Here we go again. Once again, Hugh feels as though he has a point that is relevant to the current conversation. Uh, Stuart Pearce, in the 2005-06 season, made nine changes for a league game that preceded an FA Cup quarter-final, lost that league game, and then also lost the quarter-final. Does that tell us more about squad rotation or more about Stuart Pearce's management? Possibly the latter. Mm. Possibly no, the latter. Mm. If I could risk a, a short sentence... I wish you wouldn't. Andy and I did that game and we were baffled as to why he was doing that because they were in the bottom half of the Premier League and needed the points but he decided to throw all his eggs in one basket and it backfired because he didn't win the game that he attempted to prioritise. Well, it's like we were talking about before, it's a manager wanting to win some silverware. It's fine to come to me, sorry to mm. interrupt, you can get back to your point. One for the kids here, Baron Greenback. Oh, you're yeah. just from you're danger just, mouth. You're just appealing, pandering. I was going to say that I, I shut my eyes a little bit during that point, not because I was bored or anything, but just to watch the rest of them. And I was convinced that it was a really salient point coming from the mouth of a 10 year old child. <laughs> <laughs> One of those really awful, precocious 10 year old children. I've recently introduced my kids to Danger Mouse. They're five and two. They absolutely love it. I knew the voice reminded me of something. But they are frightened of dogs. They are, yeah. That's, one, that's why one of them is not here today, because Andy has two dogs. Yeah, and they're very violent dogs. Yeah. Very violent dogs. I have recently yep. acquired a dog who is not a violent dog, but Steve's kids met the dog on New Year's Eve and were very tentative it's, indeed. It's one of only two dogs that they will tolerate. Is, who's the other one? Uh, their, their grandfather's got a, a very mild-mannered... Um... Janitor. <laughs> I've what sort of dog yeah. it is. Hong Kong a little what? one. No, sorry, a little one. Again, the kid. sorry, we've got off some the subject here. What are we talking about here? Hector. We talked about Hector, Hector's weren't we? Hector. Dog, yeah. Hector's lovely, isn't he? No, we, we were talking about the FA Cup and Stuart Pearce and, and his now ended managerial career. That's a loss. But it? then he was thinking, right, win see. something, some silverware yeah. at all costs. I don't think any manager would do that now. No. I don't think, I think but, and again, in 10 years, that's, mm. that was 2005, 2006 that that happened. That, mm. That's a remarkable change that it's lost that much prestige and it's quite sad. So what happens in the next five, 10 years? Just the same, the same I guess. Because, but then it's... For, Sport's about moments. It's not about... I understand that there's a financial necessity and that there's so much money available that that, that has to be the priority for the owners and for the, for, the, for the managers to keep their jobs and all that. But for fans, fans to me, and it's not for me to tell anybody how to support a football team, but sport is about moments. You remember the moments of being a fan. And the moments are, you know, for worse, are the big defeats or the humiliating moments or, you know, the humiliating days or the, the misses or the missed opportunities. But... The, what makes it worth it is, is that sensation that you get when your team has won something. When you're, when you, when you know that you will remember that feeling for the rest of your life. And to get rid of that, does you want to finish 14th rather than 16th in the Premier League? It's such a loss. What should the teams in the Championship do? Say you're Brighton, mm. or you're in the playoff places at the top of the Championship, and the FA Cup comes around. Do you then prioritise because of the finances? Do you put out a week? I think a lot of championship managers are doing this. They're making, maybe they've got bigger squads, mm. but they're making eight or nine changes. Yeah, the championship teams are put, put out just as well. And the ones that are challenging to get to the Premier League. So it's a similar kind of story. So you think, well, is it all about promotion? Is it about winning some, uh, winning some silver? If Brighton gets the semi final of the FA Cup and they're still battling for promotion to the Premier League, how seriously do they take it? Well, you saw Benitez took the League Cup pretty seriously, didn't he? Mm. If, with Newcastle, he seemed to think that, that they had the squad to, to, to go along with that. I'd be inclined to say for t- championship teams at the top or at, front of all the bo- or at the bottom that I could understand it if they said, right, 
this is not our priority. We need to get what the, the family. Fa- what, that is something, that's yeah. a, again, that's a what moment. Do you think your fans remember. would genuinely, would they say, try to, if we're Brighton, if we win the FA Cup, whether we go up or we don't, which, which would fans I think you play the odds more the, happily take? You play the odds for the moment. So the moment that you're promoted, the moment that your team gets promoted is a moment you'll remember forever. Yeah. So you, you can, that's different to, not want, to wanting to finish 10th rather than 15th. Mm-hmm. That's saying, right, we, we ha- we're going to chase this high rather than this high. That I kind of get. It's the teams who've got nothing else to play for that you sort of think, well, what West else? Brom, yes. like West Brom yeah. will, name a, name, will probably wait, name a weekend team in the FA Cup. Why? They're doing really well in the Premier League. Can you imagine what, what it would feel like to be a West Brom fan to see your team at the FA Cup final? Is, is it always the worry for a coach that if you were to, to put out stronger sides and you, you had a decent run, but then started to get down towards the, the yeah, yeah. relegation trouble, the fans are starting to say, wait a minute, what on earth are you doing? Because yeah. it, it, uh, you think you're comfortable in mid-table, but very quickly things can change. And if you were to... T- do coaches see it as taking a risk putting out stronger teams in the FA Cup? Finish eighth and win the FA Cup. Fantastic. Yeah. But if you're a West Brom fan, have a run to the cup final get relegated mm. you'd probably regret it right once again we're five for five then on the set piece menu we've asked a question at the very beginning of the podcast which we have spectacularly failed was. failed to answer what was it? <laughs> oh well never mind it's time as every week for Andy <laughs> Hinchcliffe to do something that he never quite achieved as a player and that is to take centre stage sorry I am simply vocalising Hugh's words on his mm-hmm. uh, behalf he will tell us a tale from his playing days that has had all adult behaviour and libel worthy details removed it is the latest edition of Nevermind Jack and Ori <laughs> what a soccer story oh, okay. is it over to me now is it it's this, is a, this, is a, this is a belter this one Howard Kendall again you can't be Howard Kendall can you pre-season tour so we've done all our hard work. We've done maybe two weeks training back at, uh, at, uh, at Everton. So we think, right, we're going to go out to Switzerland. We went to to train. We're going to play some games, four or five matches. We're going to be out there for about 10 days or so. So this is pre-season, remember, not end of season, pre-season. So we're out there for a couple of days. I think it gets to like a, a Friday night. We have a game. It gets to about half past 10. So we get back to the hotel. <laughs> Howard says, uh, right, put on your glad rags. We're going out. This is pre-season. So everybody goes trooping off out. There's a couple of players, myself included, who think this is, mm, not sure this is a very good idea, to be honest. So we decide to stay behind. So everybody else in the morning, we all meet down for breakfast. There's not too many people showing up because they've been out for a few beers and, and what have you. So myself, I think I can mention Pat Nevin. Pat's a, a lovely chap. So myself and Pat Nevin are having some muesli, having our decaffeinated coffee in the, in the morning. Howard Kendall comes into the other uh, breakfast room and says, uh, where, where were you two last night? thinking this is a bit of a test, it's a bit of a challenge. We said, well, we were, we were in bed after the game. You know, we did a few stretches and then uh, we went to bed. He fined us <laughs> for staying in. Seriously, fined us for staying in on a Quite pre-season right. tour. Quite right, too. What, teams don't fall into the f- team spirit. You were under strict instructions. We weren't. It was kind of a loose arrangement <laughs> where everyone was going so out. So you say. But Pat and myself, maybe that's what made us the, the great pros we were. Fine for staying in on a pre-season tour. Can you believe that? Extraordinary. I, I don't want to talk about the, the £150 we had to uh, pay each, but I don't know where that money went. Yeah, I've got a very what, good idea. What that money, yeah? Mm. Behind the bar? We didn't drink. What? Was it, would, it, would it have been behind the bar? Some bar somewhere. Yeah. Yes. But yeah, getting, I think that's quite unusual. I don't think too many modern players would be fine for but staying in on a pre-season tour. Being too well behaved. Mm. Mm. Andy Hinchcliffe, thank you very much, not mm. only for your contributions, but uh, to your lovely wife. For, uh, for providing us with an excellent Lancashire hot pot. Thank you uh, very much, uh, Nikki. To, uh, to Rory Smith of the New York Times and um, 
to our glorified sound technician, uh, Glass uh, Tapper and uh, Fader <laughs> Twizzler, Hugh Ferris. Uh, I want thank some you. As well. <laughs> Your voice has crumbled. Uh, we will be back next week with a uh, more authentic and uh, regular edition. Uh, please do subscribe and share. You can also listen to uh, previous editions of the Set Piece Menu podcast uh, via iTunes and Stitcher. Uh, we do humbly ask you to find room for us in your podcast schedule. What are we going to do if his voice carries on like this? What's he going to do? Is his, his voice is it insured? Well, <laughs> I think, ra- I think ratings will Mariah- establish whether or not he makes a return true, next yeah. week. Mariah Carey's voice is insured. Is there anyone else we can get to stand in? Mariah Carey. Mariah, I'm not sure she'd be up for it, to be honest. I she- can't live. Well, teams have successfully switched from a back four to a back you. three. There's no exactly. reason why yeah, we can't true, go yeah. from a quartet to a trio. Yeah, I yeah, think so. It worked yeah. not only for teams but for um, for boy bands as well, doesn't it? Like lo- loads of them drop a member and then and, and like One Direction. I think. Drop a member. That's <laughs> an interesting <laughs> turn of phrase, That's isn't it? There's, there's, a, there's a story about an Everton oh, preseason about that. You mean when Robbie left? Tape- oh yeah, yeah.